you correct today. That was absolutely flawless. <laughs> Amen. Welcome. Good to see you guys. Uh, if you're in second service last week, you missed most of the message because the Holy Spirit showed up. And so we were all just on our faces, and uh, we were here like an extra hour, I think, just praying, and Holy Spirit was touching a lot of people, so it was very, very incredible. So we, we live for that. We want to yield. We want, when he shows up, we move, you know, and then respond to his movements. And so he's, he's the leader, and uh, we like when that happens. We like when our messages get screwed up. The only problem is you may not know what I'm talking about today if you're in second. So... Um, you you're, you probably already know it anyway, so you'll you'll catch on quick. But I just want to fo- I want to follow up with last week's message um, of what high priestly ministry looks like, um, and give just some Old Testament pictures and what that looks like under the new covenant because it's it's uh, I mean many things have marked my life, but this awareness of um, What's available in the throne room and what how the Lord perceives me has 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 shifted my life in many ways. Um, that we're all called to a throne room type ministry, and um, you'll notice with our worship and our you know our intercession and the things that we that we are really devoted to, um, it's because of some of these principles. And so, uh, I sometimes if you've been here a while, you may have heard these things before. Um, so it may be a little bit of a recap, but it's okay. We, we, we need that continually. So um, last week we looked at what it, what it is to be a priesthood of believers and that our first ministry is unto the Lord. And so um, whenever we have a, uh, a ministry that's not first and foremost upward, um, we're just out of alignment. And so um, the, the, high, the, the high priests, they actually couldn't, couldn't serve the people until they ministered to the Lord. That was the order. And so they weren't qualified to serve people until they served the Lord. And that's the same today. We're not qualified to serve people until we actually have a ministry that's unto the Lord. And um, it's not just a theological concept. It's like a real ministry unto the Lord where we learn to set at his feet, where we build the life of devotion and unity and oneness and recognize the voice of God, the words written on our heart, and we know him. And so um, we have to realize, like, everything that was that that we see in the old visually, Christ is doing in the spirit under the new covenant. And so in, in the old, we see the tabernacle in the new where the tabernacle in in the old you see the shedding of blood in the new we consume the blood in the old everything's covered in oil and we're going to go through this in the new we're the ones covered and filled with oil and so it's it's just a beautiful beautiful picture and so uh if if you want to just continue to grow in your in your prayer life um like and I, i can give you some stuff too but kind of get the picture of what the priest wore what the tabernacle looked like, and it just really helps, it helps ignite prayer. It, it has helped me a lot. So um, last week, Deuteronomy 10.8 was the focus, um, f- focusing on three functions of priesthood. And so here's, here's the passage. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. 
And so three functions. Carry the presence, host the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, the dove remained upon Jesus. We're meant to have a life that the dove remains upon. And there's certain things we can do to grieve the Holy Spirit, to quench the Holy Spirit. Our, your greatest relationship um, is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so we want to be careful with that. The other thing was minister to the Lord. That was, and these are in order. Minister to the Lord and then bless others. So those, those were the three main functions um, of the priest. And I'm going to break down some priestly entrustments today. So I'm going to flesh that out a little bit. Uh, and it'll just, just help you um, see him better. How many know Jesus said, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. So everything throughout the scripture testifies of the person of Jesus. Luke 24 44 through 45, then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So he lists basically the entire, the entire Hebrew writing, the Old Testament right there. Um, he highlights the prophets, the law of Moses, and the Psalms. Just sums it up right now. So everything that's ever been written in Scripture points to the person of Jesus Christ. So you could say, well, aren't you taking that out? Of, you know, we could, there's some that say, aren't you taking that out of context a little bit when you're looking at the new and you're trying to, and, and you're trying to define the old? And it's like, no, if, if we really open, you know, in the spirit of understanding, it's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11. But the spirit of understanding brings clarity through old diagrams and pictures and happenings that show us Jesus Christ. Everything points to Jesus. Every, you know, it wouldn't be allowed in the 66 canonized scriptures if it didn't exalt the one that heaven, you know, stops for and falls down for. And so um, the scriptures testify of Jesus. So when Holy Spirit opens our understanding on these things, it's a great delight to the human heart to see him more clearly. Do we understand? Like, like these are areas of delight and pleasure and as we grow in understanding and see the Lord more, more clearly. And um, so we're, we're thankful for these things. Jesus is the fulfillment of all things. And so there were many activities that the priests and the Levites were commanded to do, and each one was to fulfill a purpose. Um, I'm going to highlight a few because they're... they're uh, uh, a picture, a shadow of the ministry that we walk in now. And a lot of times what keeps us from the fullness of our destiny is a lack of understanding of what God wants to do. We just don't have revelation of, like, what, is this, what does this mean? But, you know, the Holy Spirit can just shine a light on something and change something in the moment, in real time. Like, you can remember those moments when all of a sudden your heart was touched in a specific area, and it went from just knowing about someone to actually understanding and comprehending, like, things that were way deeper than you. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. So um, I'm going to read from Leviticus chapter 8, 1 through 15. And we got to get to love the whole word. Amen. Leviticus, some people are like, Leviticus? Dude, seriously? You couldn't preach something better than Leviticus? But you'll, you'll see. 
Leviticus chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And this is when God just laying out the order of the priesthood. It's really cool. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bowl as the sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him and put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastplate, and he put the turban on his head. Also on the turban on its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle, all that was in it, and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes and put hats on them, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering, and Moses killed it. Then he took the blood and put some on the horns of the altar all around with his finger and purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it and made, to make atonement for it. So I'm going to just I'm going to highlight like four four elements. And these are these are New Testament elements that belong um, to the new covenant believer. So the first thing is garments. Um, you'll notice the very first thing, the very first thing that, that God had Moses do was to wash the priests, um, to cleanse them with water and to dress them with sacred garments that were commanded by God. The coverings, the colors, the intricate designs, um, everything has significant purpose and were intentional to be a reminder of God's blessing. From the turban on Aaron's head with the gold plate, Exodus 28, 38 tells us what the gold plate says. It said, holy to the Lord. And so on the forehead of, of the priest, it would say, holy to the Lord. Um, God, God uh, marked them as their own in holiness. On the breastplate of decision, it would, it would contain the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim, it was before the Holy Spirit dwelt within. And so it was the way the priests would hear, hear from God. I mean, they might look something like dice and seem strange now, but the priest was directed by the Urim and the Thummim. So uh, right, right near his heart was the, vo the voice of God. Um, that he would direct their leadership, as well as bearing the 12 tribes over his chest. Because the high priest was the intercessor or the in-between for all of God's people. And so um, we, just, we just see this, this, this beautiful picture. Around the hem of the robe were the golden bells, so tinkling could be heard in his going in and coming out because it was not a small thing to go into the presence of God. The priest would have to be sanctified and set apart for his service unto the Lord. And as New Covenant believers, we have to be washed by the, by the blood, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, to be fully presentable to the Lord. And so the, the Lord just, just doesn't want to um, 
forgive our sins. He wants to forgive our sinful nature. That's a big one. He, the Old Testament priests couldn't get that. Do we understand that? And under, under the Old Covenant, you could have your sins forgiven, but you couldn't have your nature cleansed. It's a, it's a big distinction of being um, someone who with the Holy Spirit is on the external and someone where the Holy Spirit dwells within. Under the New Covenant, Jesus came to baptize with the Holy Spirit with power to actually change our heart and change our nature. A big, a big, big distinction of why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so under the new covenant, we know just, just as the first order was before I can use you, I have to wash you. We get that before I could use the priest, I have to wash you and dress you. Makes it even more significant why when the prodigal son began coming home, the father runs to him and the very first thing he does is dress him. Do we get that? I puts a robe of righteousness on him, puts shoes on his feet for sonship, puts a ring on his finger for authority. The very first thing he does is he dresses the son. Take off your old clothes. I want to dress you because I love you. Romans 13, 14 tells us, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Luke 12, 35 tells us, be dressed and ready for active service and keep your camps your lamps continually burning. And Ephesians 6 describes the armor that God dresses us in in the Holy Spirit. And so, like, when you, when you give your life to Jesus, the first thing he does is he changes your clothes. He changes your garments. He changes your heart. He makes you fit for service. Uh, I can't remember the text exactly, but you remember the, the parable of, of the wedding and there was someone in there who didn't have the right clothes on. Somehow they had slipped in and they didn't have his clothes on. And he was kicked out. And, you know, and I believe there was some weeping and gnashing in, of teeth involved in that. It's like you have to be dressed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, it's, that's it, right? And so um, the next thing is oil. I mean, there's so many representations of Holy Spirit in, in Scripture. There's, there's oil, there's water, there's fire, there's wind. Um, you know, I, I'm missing some. But there's, there's just a lot of representations of the different functions that he, that, that he takes place. But under, under the old oil, it said Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And so basically everything and everyone is covered in blood and oil. And so we're going to hit oil first. So um, there was covered in oil. The same oil that consecrated the temple consecrated Aaron. The same. Like God, God, and I'm not getting into this today, but he not only anoints people, he anoints space dedicated to him. That's why when there's, there's an awakening or, or there's a revival, it's uh, an actual space 
that his glory prevails and pervades and actually changes the very space. That's, that's why when Moses like saw the, fire, the fiery bush, God said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Now it's holy because God's there. It wasn't holy before. Do I understand? It was only holy because God manifested. And so God can manifest on a place. He can manifest in your home. Your home is holy unto the Lord, but, but you have to make sure you're not letting anything unholy in that space. So the oil, like it's a messy, fragrant substance. Like if you ever messed with oil, spilled it, it's like really hard to get up. Like I put too much in the baptismal one time and someone slipped and almost hurt themselves. So like it's a messy it's messy. It's fragrant. You can't get rid of the smell. Like, it, it gets on everyone. And so, um, and I think the Lord did that on purpose. The, the anointing, you know, of a king or a priest under the old covenant would be a giant horn of oil, like an actual horn that was capped that they could hold oil in. And it would be the entire thing would run down their head, their beard. It would mess everything up. That's the point. His oil and his anointing and his covering is supposed to realign and mess our old way of doing things up. So we are fragrant unto him and, and unto everyone else. And so the Old Testament use of oil was to set someone apart. It was that, that word sanctified, to set them apart for the Lord's use. The New Testament anointing is the person of the Holy Spirit, and he is for every believer. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is different, uh, is for every believer, although, and we're not getting into this, don't you love when I do stuff and then I say we're not getting into this today? He's, he's in every believer, but he rests upon believers differently. He just does. It doesn't matter if you like it, you don't get a vote. He rests on, and and on hungry, consecrated believers, there's oftentimes more oil, more anointing. There's, there's more anointing on their prayer. There's more anointing on their ministry. There's more anointing on their families. It's like because those who are fully consecrated, that's the way we're all supposed to be. But some live that way fully devoted. And so we can go after more of the Lord. If not, why did he tell us to ask for more? So the New Testament anointing is for every believer. The Holy Spirit sets us apart. He seals us. He fills us and anoints us for ministry all through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is serious business, and we must steward our relationship with the Holy Spirit really well. If, if we sin, if we change directions and we feel the conviction of his voice, we simply just communicate to him our repentance and our heart to change and our mind to be transformed. There's fellowship. One of the greatest ways we can see if we're walking in fullness with the Lord is our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And he does manifest real things. Peace is a real manifestation. Joy is a real manifest, like the fruit are a real manifestation. You can have the gifts and be totally out of alignment because they're gifts. So you could be operating in a, in a healing gift you could be, and be out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we want to make sure we have all of it. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so 
Um, we we want to treasure him greatly. And um, like, you're not crazy by talking to the Holy Spirit. You're crazy if you don't. Like, seriously, just tell him you love him. Tell him you're thankful for his presence. Ask him to help you worship Jesus. Ask him to search the depths of your heart so you can know the Father. Like, we get fellowship with him. And so when, when we see, like, the Holy Spirit comes in increased measure, like, sometimes God sovereignly moves, but sometimes he comes by invitation. He can do both. Like, there have been times I didn't ask for it, and boom, shakalaka. There were other times we longed for him and cried out for him, and he came in increased measure. And for some, like, well, what do you mean by he comes? It just means he comes more than he's already, than he, he's already here, but he comes in a greater way and begins to touch people. Things begin to happen and shift. Worship sometimes can release that. And so we just, we're paying attention to what he wants. Oh, today he wants a song. Today he wants, and it's like, well, what do you mean? No, he can be known. He can be known. He can be expressed. Um, he can be grieved. He can be quenched. And so we, we just, we want to know him. It's not that hard when you think of it like a person. Oh, they can be mad at me. I'm not saying God's perfect, so his emotions are always perfect. He doesn't get all hot and bothered like we do. But like, but we understand in part through our um, natural relationships, and then it's a real relationship that we have with him. It's not just an idea. And so the anointing serious business said the oil was sprinkled upon the altar seven times. You know, six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. So like six, six would be every, I did everything in my power, but seven is when everything is in, influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so seven, seven is God's perfect number. We see the seven flames um, in Isaiah 11, the seven burnings of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that passage because I talk about it. I talk about it a lot. I pray this one a lot. But there's seven functions of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11. Jesus walked in the fullness of all seven functions. And some people call the seven functions the actual mind of Christ. And so um, to have the mind of Christ, we get this access. And the new, under the New Testament, we have the mind of Christ, but Holy Spirit is the only one that matures us enough to live in that place. So a lot of times, like, the bride's beheaded because she's not following the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, love, I love the phrase, and we're going to get into this in our Song of Song study, your, your head is gold. In other words, your leadership is perfect. It's flawless. Sometimes just pray that kind of stuff, and it'll mess you up. Jesus, your head is like gold. Your leadership is perfect, and then just sit in it. And so Isaiah 11, 1, 1 through 2, um, it's it, this, the menorah, remember we talked about it, it was the only light source in the tabernacle in the temple, and it had seven flames. Uh, we know the menorah itself was out of hammered gold, so it was beaten in gold and, and, and made, made beautiful. And uh, the seven flames, and these are the seven, Isaiah 11, 1 through 2, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's the first one. 
The spirit of Yahweh will rest on him. The second one, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So seven, seven functions that we can be greatly aware of, that we can walk in in our new covenant high priestly calling. Like I said, the spirit of the Lord is the anointing of Jehovah. The Father's anointing will rest on the yielded one. Amen. The spirit of wisdom is God's supernatural thoughts. So God can give you thoughts that are way better than yours. The spirit of understanding is God's personal illumination of those thoughts. So he, he highlights and illuminates. The spirit of counsel is God's personal instruction for godly choices. He's our counselor. So, we're, so we want to we want to seek him first and foremost as our counselor. Um, the fifth one, the spirit of strength, it's God's supernatural ability to accomplish um, and perform those thoughts in our lives. So he doesn't just tell us; he, he gives us the power. The spirit of knowledge is seeing God's thoughts manifested in our life actions, and it's also a knowing a knowing of Him. And then the last one is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And that's walking in God's love and truth and fleeing anything that would quench his spirit. And so as we, as you kind of piece those out and understand, wow, this is, this is God's gift of grace um, to see active in my life that I burn with all of these seven flames so that I can operate in the mind of Christ. But awareness oftentimes will just make you ask for things. And God likes you to have a asking relationship with him. In fellowship. And so under the new covenant, our life, ministry, families, church, everything can come under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do anything in your life that's not in fellowship with him. The third thing, blood. Leviticus 8.30 tells us Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, and his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. Hebrews 9, 18 through 22 brings, brings a little definition to this. It says, Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. And according to the law, one may almost say, All things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. I mean, it was almost gross. Like if you can picture like the dipping into the blood and the spreading on, on the book, on the tabernacle, on the people, on the priests, everything was covered in blood. And that is a picture of how we are to live as new covenant believers, that we're covered in the blood. It's all about the blood. We're going to take communion and not, not yet, not yet, don't go yet, but we're going to take communion and the reminder of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ the power of the blood of Jesus Christ has provided everything that you need to live a life of victory, including redemption, fellowship, healing, protection, and authority over the enemy. 
everything. We, I, I think we're yet to discover, there's more to discover about the power of Jesus' blood this side of heaven. This side of heaven. So um, it is the final thing we hear about the blood in Revelation. It's how they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. So if you're going to be an overcomer, you, you love the blood of Jesus. A lot of the church in the West specifically has removed some of the language like blood and cross and oil. And they've also removed the power of God. Like you, you, you can no longer get rid of the blood and be, be the church. I mean, it, it's required. Uh, there's, there's no coming to Jesus apart from his blood. And there's no walking in power and authority apart from his blood. And so his blood does still speak a better word. And so the, the blood of Jesus, think about the blood and the oil as Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They're, they're in perfect partnership. Um, Jesus crushing and, and the blood that poured out made the way for us to enter his righteousness and receive the Holy Spirit. So, so the blood paved the way for the oil. The, if, if you think about even the, the order of, of walking into the temple, the very first thing you would come to is where the sacrifice was made. You, 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 can't, you can't move past um, and go anywhere into the heart of the Lord until you confront the altar of sacrifice. It's where the blood is. And so it's, it's like the blood and then the washing and then the filling and then the releasing. And so um, we, we, we want to grow and we want to have these kind of conversations with the Lord. I want to grow in the wisdom, knowledge, and application of the blood and the oil. Teach me. If you think of yourself as a high priest, you would know how to use the blood and the oil. We need to know how to use the blood and the oil, how to apply the blood, how to release the oil. Is everybody with me? If you're not, it's okay. Just catch up. Okay. So the anointing is empowered by the blood to release the kingdom of God. The anointing, the Holy Spirit is attracted to Jesus. If, if you want to be a Holy Spirit home church business, preach Jesus. Teach Jesus. The Holy Spirit cannot... Stay away from the person of Jesus. He's going to exalt Jesus. He is going to remind us. Jesus said he's going to remind us of everything I taught you. He's also going to remind, or tell you of what is to come. So he's always a prophetic voice with understanding. And so he's always drawing us to the person of Jesus. You remove the blood of Jesus, you'll remove the Holy Spirit. I just want to emphasize that. Like make it about, make it about the blood. That's why communion and those things are a really big deal to the Lord because we're reminded of the sacrifice. Um, the, last, the last thing before we take communion is fire. The fire of God. And so um, among the priestly duties, they were to ensure the fire on the altar never went out. That was one of their main functions. Ensure the fire does not go out. Leviticus 6, 12, and 13. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. 
Leviticus 9.24, listen to how the original fire came. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their face. We have to remember the fire on the altar, the fire on our altar is always started by Jehovah. It's always started by God himself, yet it was stewarded by man. Given by God, stewarded by man. There's some, you know, that fire freaks them out a little bit, you know, like fire and power and, you know, the, these things um, that, that, that God is, is known by, you know, and um, it, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very real thing that God does give real fire. Jesus um, is the one who baptized with Holy Spirit and with fire. That was his baptism. Like he, he came to baptize others in Holy Spirit and fire. When the Holy Spirit was released, it was a baptism where fire rested upon each of their head. It was a baptism of Holy Spirit and fire. God still baptizes people in Holy Spirit and fire. He, 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 like I had the privilege of going to a home group this last week and teach on it and then did it. Like, how dare we ever teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not lay hands on people? That'd just be stupid. We shouldn't, we, like, if we preach on something, it should be, it should be also acknowledged with power, that there's power from the Holy Spirit to accomplish the word that's being released. And that, what, what is fulfilled in that is not on us, it's actually on God. But we have to do our part to put ourselves in front of the Lord to see what he does. But it's a very real experience. It's a real encounter. Um, God sanctifies you through and through, and it's a journey and a walk. But it's also a crisis moment in our lives where we lay ourselves before the Lord and say, fill me a vessel that longs for God. And I believe we can also have many, many, many encounters our whole life. Don't give up. Like, Go after the more. Put yourself in front of him and say, Lord, here I am again. I want more. And I love Acts 14. They were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. There's just more. Like, if you get hungry, don't, like, don't wait. Like, I'm hungry for God. Then get it. That's his invitation. And so um, the constant reminder of God's power. I love every morning... The Levites had to get wood and make sure the fire was stoked. It was burning. They had to move the ashes underneath. All of these things. Everything was, was for a purpose. Um, it goes back to like our devotion to intimacy is what puts the wood on the altar of our heart that he can burn. Don't say, I want to be filled. I want, to be, I want all these things. If you won't devote that time to the Lord of putting the wood on the altar and stewarding the fire. Because sometimes God won't give us more because we're not willing to give him more. And so I say that in love. We're all on the journey. Amen. Okay. I really do say it in love. The point of it all, Leviticus 9, 6. Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. What's the point behind all that? So that the glory of the Lord can come. 
It wasn't just doing stuff in the temple to just be religious. It was to prepare for glory. You realize the Holy, the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus prepares us for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prepares us to walk like Jesus. The church, the church, especially the end time church, who's talked more about in scripture. I might get into this next week. The end time church talked more about in scripture than any other time in all the scripture. Like there's more scripture devoted to the, the bride who's prepared for his return than any other emphasis. There's, there's three major power moves of God. We're going to be in the third. And I'm not talking about every awakening. I'm going off a tangent for one second. Uh, I'm not talking about awakening revival. If you look at scripture, the great moves of God where we saw the most miraculous power and movement we ever saw was in Moses' day, in Acts 2, that day. And it will be the, the church right before his coming. And we will see the miracles of Moses' day. We will see an outpour greater than Acts 2. There will be the greatest revival that's ever touched the planet right before his return. And we're going to be used in that to glorify Jesus, to simplify the message, to be a Jesus people endowed with the Holy Spirit, covered in oil, covered in blood, and on fire. And so everything is because we're preparing for the glory. We're preparing for the king. Our entire life is set on that. We're preparing for, for the glory of the king. He's dressed us, washed us, released the spirit, and baptized us in fire. I'm going to have the uh, guys passing communion. Go ahead and do that. Or maybe there's women involved as well. Guys, women, kids. You don't care how you get it. Amen. And we're just going to have worship begin to play. And uh, sometimes we take it all together, but sometimes I just like to let you guys take it when your heart feels right. And we're going to do that today. Just You can take it with families. Take it on your own. You can come to the altar. Um, we're just going to let worship begin to play. And then we'll have a ministry team up here just ready to pray for anyone who wants prayer today as well. Um, I'll wait just a second as they pass it just to pray over everything. Just begin as you get it. Just begin thanking him. Just begin thanking him for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Can we sing that, Jeff? Just thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We get something better than sprinkling today. Would you release Holy Spirit remembrance of everything Jesus has done? The same blood used to purify the priests and everything in the tabernacle is now consumed by us. I pray today in the drinking of blood and the eating of your flesh that bodies are healed in Jesus' name, that souls are restored in Jesus' name, dedications to you are renewed, people are set free. 
the blood speaks a better word. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases, the psalmist said. Some of you don't feel worthy today. Can I tell you, none of us are worthy. That's not what it's about. It's about his worth. He's worthy. He's worthy. Don't let shame keep you from entering into the holy place today. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Just turn your heart and your affections to the Lord. He's so quick to forgive. Thank you for the blood. When verses come to your mind, just speak them back to him. By his stripes, I'm healed today. Put your blood on the doorposts of our home. The sickness, fear passes over. We declare the blood upon our homes, upon our children today. Seal us in your blood. Just worship him. And when you're ready, just take communion.